New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Michael Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting Pilar Jennings. She's the author of Mixing Minds, The Power of Relationship in Psychoanalysis and Buddhism. Pilar, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you, Michael. It's good to be here. One of the things that happens in our culture is we're always desiring something. Because we live in a materialistic culture, we're always wanting something more, something more, something more and more. And, you know, we get it and then that, well, that didn't work. So let's try something else. So let's talk about that. Sure. Well, the struggle with desire is a central issue in both Buddhist teaching and in psychoanalysis. It's the rare person who hasn't had a difficult time either identifying and or managing their desires. And as you say, most people feel overcome with their desires. So there's a sense of never having enough of what they really want and not getting the good stuff. So I think part of the reason why people turn to Buddhist practice and often why they go into therapy is to somehow find a new way to relate to desire because it's very hard to enjoy life when a person feels like the desire is running the show. Uh, we, we no longer have a sense of choice, you know, a sense of being in control, which is something most Westerners want a lot of and feel like they have too little of when desire is front and center. You live and work in New York City. Well, I mean, every day you're faced with that. I mean, it's like we've got a new pair of shoes. It's a new new year. Right. It's like new something, walk new down gadget. The street, there's something new. Yeah. Know? Well, that's the cultural message, right? That if you just get the right gadget, you'll be smooth sailing, or the right pill, the right uh, coffee, the right fiber, you name it, and then yes. then you'll suffer less. Alas, it doesn't seem to work that way. So, Buddhism has a whole lot to say about perhaps training ourselves to respond to desire differently, not to get rid of desire, which is impossible. And it's a wonderful thing to desire certain things like a clear heart and mind, a good life, health and wellness for ourselves and our loved ones. It's great to desire these things. It's just a matter of how we hold our desire Right. So when we when we hold on too tightly, when we get too attached to our desires, says Buddhist teaching, we tend to suffer a lot um, because we feel like we've lost that control we're after. So the idea is to recognize that desire will arise again and again and it will pass. It's really just a matter of waiting for it to subside without reacting to it prematurely and then getting lost in that cycle of it arising and acting out from it. And, you know, this tendency has a huge impact on our personal lives with people getting very attached to other people or getting very attached to certain professional opportunities. And then when things don't work out, terrible feelings of shame or rage 
And thus, therapists do a great service to people suffering with the difficulty of relating to their desires by helping them see that, okay, we all suffer loss, you know, we all suffer frustration and disappointment. Some of us haven't learned how to work with that frustration without harming ourselves or others. Here we are in the late spring of 2011, and we've had this rash of tornadoes. And Hmm. there was this tragic event in Joplin, Missouri, Mm -hmm. where the whole city was essentially leveled by a tornado. Mm -hmm. And the photographs are just so extraordinary. And the interviews they've had on television and the news, I mean, these people, they've lost everything. And how dealing with that, that where everything you knew is gone, it's Mm -hmm. just gone, Mm -hmm. disappeared. And yet the resiliency of human beings is quite amazing because listening to people are talking about saying, you know, well, at least we're alive. Yes. We have our life. And it's like that appreciation of, I'm here, you know. Yeah. I got through this. Yes. Well, those sorts of experiences are devastating. That magnitude of loss is truly life-altering. And yet what many people will experience is being stripped away of all the things they thought were most meaningful and being left with something deeper and even more meaningful than what was lost. And not that you would wish that kind of loss on anybody, but that's often the silver lining is the discovery that happens when we lose the things that are disposable. I would also say, though, that psychologically... We seem to be able to survive a great deal of calamity as long as the calamity is acknowledged by another. We're less able to survive trauma if it then gets denied or it's not seen in some way. So I think when people go through awful experiences and they're able to tell their story, someone is interested and listening, it's amazing what we can work through. It's good to have support yes situation yes i think it's critical community is critical so as you look at the present worldscape with everything that's happening in the world what's your perception of what's happening well i i see a time of tremendous turbulence i really do Uh, i mean certainly environmentally economically politically this is not a calm time at all And it seems to be that we're at a critical point in which we need to awaken to what's most needed in order for us to care for each other, to care for the environment. You know, if we continue to get lost in our desires, the kind of desires you were talking about earlier, we're not going to be able to do that. So, you know, we've seen the global impact of greed and it seems to have peaked so that we are struggling en masse to do better with less, to practice renunciation, and to practice paying close attention to the ways in which people are suffering around us and to prioritize that suffering as much as we prioritize our own suffering. So I think in this time, there's a real call for um, an awakening of, of values that veer away from the external and more toward our our internal state to really touch base with our inner resources 
rather than to always look for what we can get externally. On a personal level, how is doing this work, both as an analyst and a practitioner, Mm -hmm. how has this work changed your life? It's changed my life quite dramatically in many ways, but a primary difference I notice is that I recognize that other people are going through experiences that call for that friendly curiosity that we talked about earlier, that the tendency, especially in this culture, is to try and tune other people out so that we can really hear our own narrative loud and clear. That's what we seem to be paying attention to the most. And practicing Buddhism and psychoanalysis has taught me very powerfully that everybody suffers, And often people are suffering in ways that feel unmanageable, but the suffering can start to feel more manageable if they notice someone else is paying attention, someone else cares. So I think these are two traditions that are very much about paying attention and showing a genuine concern. Pilar, if there was one thing you could leave our listeners with, what would that one thing be? (laughs) That's a good question. I, I would say it's that we actually have a shared capacity for genuine, authentic wellness and happiness, that that's not a miraculous achievement, and that if things in our lives are misaligned, to really cultivate a deep faith that we can achieve the kind of happiness everybody longs for. It's really just a matter of finding enough support, finding the right kind of support, and knowing that if you're going through suffering now, it's going to pass. It might get worse, but it's going to pass. It's going to become something else, and to trust that. Pilar, I want to thank you for being on New Dimensions Cafe. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. I've been speaking with Pilar Jennings. She's the author of Mixing Minds, The Power of Relationship in Psychoanalysis and Buddhism, published in paperback by Wisdom Publications. And if you'd like more information about Pilar's work, you can go to the website, PilarJennings.com. That's Pilar, P-I-L-A-R-J-E-N-N-I-N-G-S, PilarJennings.com. You can also get there through the New Dimensions website, NewDimensions.org. I'm Michael Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe Please come back again. And don't forget, when you go out there in the world, do something good. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.